Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. All right, bro. Hey, it's another season of Blue and White Brothers. We're we're back. We made it. We haven't made it. We are just starting. Well, we can talk about <laughs> making it at the end of the season when we're better than seven and six or whatever we were last year. I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, geez. Really start starting off on a high note. Um, you know, this is a different season for us because um, you're in a unique situation. In fact, um, we just had a, uh, a really exciting tech meeting just wrapped up five minutes ago. No, five seconds ago. Because uh, we have some new technical challenges this year based on, in part at least, on your location. Why don't you tell us about what you're doing and where you are and what your uh, what your big project is this year outside of Blue Well, White first Brothers. of all, let me turn this air conditioner off next to me. I'm in, I am in a <laughs> motel room. In the beautiful, beautiful, historic town of Wallace, Idaho, that in 1991 had been a brothel town until 1991. Hey, <laughs> you know? wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm staying. So one might ask, what are you doing in Wallace, the brothel town of Idaho? Well, besides just driving through it, when I drove your uh, Volvo S40 out to Pasadena the long way around. Oh, so this is return. Well, I had never been to Idaho. Well, I guess that's a lie. I I had been to Idaho um, on the 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 Idaho side of the of the great you know the Grand Tetons. I've done that, but as far as the rest of Idaho, I hadn't really ever spent time here except for driving through Coeur d'Alene up in the Panhandle back in 2010 when I when I did that massive road trip in your Volvo. But right now I'm on another massive road trip, and by road I mean gravel road, uh, and by gravel road I mean I started <laughs> in Antelope Wells, New Mexico, um, back in June, and I rode the Great Divide mountain biking route all the way to the Canadian border, um, about twenty five hundred miles of you know on, on a, a mountain, mountain bike, bike. I presume. <laughs> yep. Uh, instead of backpacking, not in no, a Volvo. Volvo. Instead of backpacking, I'm bike packing. And when I got to Canada, the Canadian border, that is, I didn't go into Canada. Um, I decided I wanted to keep going, so. I, in fact, kept going, and that's how I find myself here in Wallace, Idaho, uh, in this wonderful historic town. <laughs> and um, <laughs> So you're making a grand a loop from, uh, from Mexico to Canada back to Mexico. correct, and this, this route that I'm currently on is called the Western Wildlands Route, a lesser-known uh, similar route as the Great Divide Mountain Biking Route. So you have to excuse the motorcycles that are going off uh, outside my motel window and any other sounds that are occurring while I'm in my motel room. Quote, unquote, motel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, look, um, you're going to be going through, uh, you know, the the Great Divide, basically, or the Western Wildlands route uh, for the, at least the first month or two of uh, our recording season. And then uh, I guess you're going to be in the, somewhere maybe, on the East Coast, maybe, hiking maybe, the Appalachian Trail again. something I'm maybe. throwing around. I've, we're still sorting out the, the, the particulars of the rest of my season. All that to say, all that to say, uh, 
your uh, reliability of like actually getting yeah. decent signal is uh, that's going to be a big fat question mark. Yeah. Um, and uh, when we can actually record is going to be a big yeah. fat question mark. When and we're going to so, be able to release um, episodes will be interesting. Yeah. So, for, so any of you who are um, who are religiously the dozens following of Blue you who White are Brother, religiously following us, <laughs> <laughs> um, just just be aware. Um, uh, we're not as regular this year. We're we're dealing with some uh, GI problems with our no. GI uh, anyway, Wow. Yeah, we won't be as regular yeah. this year as we have in the years yeah, past. Yeah, I'm, 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 listen, I'm uh, not very quite as scheduled. We're, what you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, and bro, real quick while we're on it, um, if people want to see what you're up to on social media, how can they follow your current project? Uh, Where should they find America's you? Most Wanted gov. Um, <laughs> no, I am uh, the real hiking Viking who's no currently doubt. liking biking right now. So, um, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, uh, at, at the real hiking Viking. Uh, all right. Well, um, yeah. And for those of you who haven't followed Tom, uh, some of the best photos I've ever seen, uh, are right on his Instagram and Facebook page. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, as for myself, I'm actually coming off of, uh, I haven't, actually gone off a three month sabbatical. I've got like three weeks left of a sabbatical. I think those of you who follow us know I'm a pastor of a small congregation in uh, rural Maryland, just north of Baltimore. And uh, it's coming on nine years. And uh, my congregation was gracious enough to give me a three month sabbatical. Uh, did some really exciting things this summer, uh, including uh, three weeks out west going to national parks and whatnot. Uh, one of those weeks was spent with Tom right before he took off on his bike packing. Correct. Um, and uh, also managed to uh, visit Joel Bettner on the west side of the Tetons. Uh, for those of you who remember, uh, Joel's one of our frequent uh, question contributors on this podcast. And I got to stay with him and his lovely wife, Kelly, and his great kids. Uh, thanks, Joel uh, and Kelly, for your hospitality. Um, after those three weeks, uh, my family and I spent uh, five weeks in Guatemala and uh, really had a tremendous time. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I'm back here now in the States. Uh, I'm currently sitting in my home office, sweating through my shirt because my air conditioning, which I just installed two months ago, uh, re new air conditioning in my house is currently not what? working. It's been broken for a week. They're waiting on a part. Yeah, it's... It's, it's a bummer. Brand, it's brand new air conditioning <laughs> so, and it's not working. I, yes, it's, I, we, we finally bit the bullet and wow. uh, put in a new air conditioning system at the beginning of the summer. Cause we had house sitters. We didn't want them to deal with and our it, and it broke failing, falling apart air conditioning system. No, 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 no. We did it before we knew. I mean, our old air conditioning unit was installed in uh, 1989. Mm, I was six and you were, you were yeah. 11. I was yeah. 11, but that's a long, so anyway, it was, it was, it was really on, it didn't work when we turned it on this year. And so we, we said we can't leave right, our house sitters right. in a, you know, Baltimore summer, uh, without air conditioning. So, so we did that and we got home It worked, you know, all summer just fine. We got home and it's, it failed. So anywho, um, I'm, yeah, if I, if I'm a little, You're sweating uh, at home, <clears throat> got testy. it. I've, I've, yeah. If you if you hear the edge on my in my voice, it's because, um, yeah, I'm on T-shirt number three today. <laughs> I only have one T-shirt. <laughs> anyway, where I am. 
So it sounds like you're living the, in the lap of luxury. <laughs> I yeah. really am. Uh, it's true. And my t-shirt. Um, so anyway, like yeah. Cat. So I don't doubt it. <laughs> you know, I got in. I got into my um, my my Subaru the other day, and uh, we've got two cars. But my 17 year old son is now a driver, mm-hmm. so he will use my car oh, a lot of times clothes. to go. You know, do his things. Uh, his soccer oh, cleats no. were no, left no, in no, the no, car. No, no, no bueno. Dur- and, and like 95 degree oh, that is days, not good. I got into the car and I, I almost yeah. passed out from this. It did, was, did he recognize so anyway, how that might have been a, a less desirable situation? I mean, after the fact, yes, but he was he wasn't thinking ahead. What apparently. is it about so, high, like teenage boys who's who's and I'm we were one of them. And like, you know, our parents yeah, had to put up with yeah, us playing sports. Guilty. <laughs> but like, how are we so unaware oh of how gosh. bad that smell is? It's ours, I guess. I don't ours. know. So, you know, you, you <laughs> yeah, we'll bring on a medical professional to uh, <laughs> to explore that. But anyway, um, so here we are, bro. Um, we're we're coming at you. We're going to try to make this work. We'll try to record these episodes in a timely fashion. And if we fail in that timeliness, it's not for lack of trying. What I are we trying to do? An hour but, long? Um, is there is so for? much to talk about. Yeah, I think so. We're gonna get. We're trying to get into an hour today, and my guess is we're gonna just be able to talk a little bit about the off-season stuff that's happened, um, what the team is looking like. I don't even think we're gonna get into the offense today, but just um, you know, there there's a ton of stuff that's happened since the last time the Blue and White Brothers has recorded. I don't even know uh, what we might say is the most important, but certainly among the biggest things is that. Um, Penn State has new yeah. staff. Uh, most importantly, uh, a new defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz, uh, who's yeah. uh, he was unceremoniously fired from Miami, um, and uh, you know James Franklin snapped him up uh, with the departure of Brent Pry, who's going to be you know running his first head coach camp with Virginia Tech mm-hmm. this year. Um, I haven't really heard a lot about uh, you know what what things are co- coming out of camp for, from the defensive standpoint. Uh, I've heard that Manny Diaz, he's fiery. He's, you know, he's aggressive, all that kind of things. I, I, do you, what are your thoughts on Manny Diaz and what, what we should expect from him? I mean, obviously we got a, uh, the defensive um, team coming back, many of them from last year, but just what do you think this change with Manny Diaz, what do you expect to be different this year so, because that's a huge change for Penn state. And to me, it's I I'm a little worried because of how, how much I could rely on what I was going to get from Brent Pry, even though it was frustrating. At um, times. So what do you think we're getting from? Manny so Diaz? we're definitely going to miss Brent Pry. Like there's no doubt about that. He was a great character to have, in, you know, in the locker room, a great motivator to have in the practice, uh, on the practice field, a great recruiter, certainly James, Franklin's um, longtime right-hand man dating back to Vanderbilt. Um, so that's a major loss, you know, leaving for Virginia Tech, you know, wish him the best. That's that's a, a, an opportunity you can't really pass up down there in Blacksburg. Um, however, you know, for as much as we're going to miss having him, there were some deficiencies within, um, you know, as good as his defenses periodically and typically were, you know, there were times when they kind of um, weren't able to withstand when, you know, the, the 
they keep us in games, but but only for so long because the offense was so bad that that they could only hold out for so long on defense until uh, you know the, the the camel's back would would break. Um, I mean, even when we had those really, really fantastic offenses in yeah, 2016, 2017, yeah. I mean, no, I you're mean, not wrong. I mean, the Rose Bowl exactly. comes to mind. Yeah, the, the, we need you, know? you to make that last stand to win some of these games. And, and you know, unfortunately, that a lot of that, you know, at times falls in the defense um, and we need you to do it. So, so I, you know, but, but with Manny, um, from what I know, and we're not pros, we're not pro analysts, we're not insiders, we're not long, career, you know, college football analysts or even Penn State football analysts from a, a professional perspective. We're just fans. So we can only go off of what we feel and what we hear other people say. And, you know, when it comes to Manny Diaz, you know, he he was a great defensive coordinator, you know, before he became a head coach and, and, you know, we're excited to have his defensive coordinating talents on our sidelines because he runs a similar scheme to Brent Pry, but a more aggressive scheme at times too. He takes more chances. Um, he'll blitz more from different packages. Um, and, and there, there were times when, you know, for me, I wish Brent Pry had been a little more aggressive, not always running that like prevent zone, you know, going after the quarterbacks when, you know, we're playing downhill as opposed to just like letting off and hoping for the best kind of thing. Cause that's what it felt like at times, um, that he'd let off the gas, the way our offense had let off the gas in some of those games back in 2016, 17, and even 18. Um, yeah, I mean, even aggressive, you know, the last few years when I'm getting at, yeah, when we were, when we were in close games against, uh, you know, bigger teams, it, it just seemed like, we gave very good offenses a chance to pick us apart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I expected a more aggressive defense, which obviously, you know, when you play more aggressive, you win some and you lose some, you're not gonna, it's, it's like 50, 50 balls, right? You know, um, you're, you're, when you're, when you're hitting, uh, swinging for home runs, you're going to miss sometimes. So beyond, I think that's the going to be the difference between Brent Pry and Manny Diaz by and large, because you know, that's, you know, you live by the, you live by the aggression, you die by the aggression. Um, and, 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 but, but, you know, he's also in command of linebacker you now. And I, you know, we lost a lot of right. linebacker talent in the off season. Um, and I'm not stoked on what our linebacker depth looks like. I'm not stoked at what our linebacker, um, you know, uh, the ex- room, the, the experience wise looks like we're not, we don't have a ton of starting, uh, experience coming back. We basically have Curtis Jacobs and then we have a, you know, a converted defensive back, a safety in, um, Jonathan Sutherland, who has made his mark as a great, you know, role model and leader in the locker room for dating back to his freshman year, even. And and he wears the number zero, which was implemented either last year or the year before, given to like a special teams um, captain and um and, and you know, he's undersized and and and, and we're gonna be relying on this guy to 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 like shore up our linebacker depth and it just doesn't give me 
a a warm and fuzzy when it comes to linebacker you when and even Curtis Jacobs, you know, great talent, uh, much like Brandon Smith was, but Brandon Smith never realized his talent, in my opinion, at least in college. And I, I'm not certain Curtis Jacobs will reach uh, you know, the heights that say a Micah Parsons did, um, which and I'm not saying we have to measure up to the Micah Parsons and LeVar Arrington's of the world when it comes to linebacker, but you know, <laughs> we're linebacker you. And and if we don't have somebody playing at, at, at the bare minimum, a big 10 level, you know, what, are, what do we have back there at linebacker, be, you know, besides just some, some hope and promise. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Cause you know, losing Ellis Brooks and, uh, you know, losing Brandon Smith and even losing Jesse Lucetta. I mean, those are three, you know, stout linebackers that played pretty decent ball for us, you know, for their whole careers. Yeah. We'll get into some of that when we mm-hmm. talk about the defense, which we'll expect to do in the next few weeks, but no, that's a really good point that Brent Pry really had linebacker. You playing at a pretty high level for most of the time that he was here is Manny Diaz, especially this year with the talent loss that we've seen at the linebacker position uh, over the course of the offseason, you know, is he going to have those uh, linebackers uh, playing well, at it's a really high what, level? What is the expectation we have for Manny at, at both the DC position as well as his linebacker coach position? Like, do are, are we are our expectations going to be so high that we will only allow him? To 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 you know be at worst as good as Brent Pry was <laughs> you know like what like are we gonna <laughs> yeah. give him some leash to to like to like implement because he's going back from being a head coach to being a full time DC is he is it gonna take him a year or two you know I I, I mean sure I hope, hope not, not too I don't think I don't think we'll have a severe <laughs> drop off defensive wise I think it's certainly likely that we could find ourselves. Um, you know, Manny just getting his chops back as a DC. I don't know. I just, I, I don't have expectations so high for the defense that like anything less than, you know, all American linebackers and tackles and safeties is, is the only way that I'll allow him to continue to be my defensive coordinator. Like that's just not the, that's, those are not the expectations I have. Yeah. Um, you know, getting back to your point at just about the different, um, I guess the aggressiveness factor and, and how he, runs somewhat differently than uh, Brent Pry, his philosophy. Uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see a different style. I'm, I'm, you know, curious about the trade-off, you know, uh, by the end of the season, will we have preferred Brent Pry's uh, Ben don't break to uh, uh, overly aggressive defense. If that's what it ends up being that, that ends up giving a lot of big plays too. Um, You know, I, I just, I won't mind keeping those high powered offenses guessing a little more and keeping them from being, uh, quite so efficient and effective. Uh, that's what I'm, what I'm hoping for. But, you know, we have seen a lot of turnover in the offensive coordinator position recently. And, uh, part of what that has meant is that, uh, the team hasn't really been able to understand the scheme and the system, even though they've been quote unquote, coming from the same philosophical tree, so to speak, it just hasn't seemed like the offense has been consistent because of the changes year to year. So I'm a little yeah. worried about that as well, you know, um, all in all, though, I think um, I think this is probably about as good. Uh, you know, I think we have a good shot with a guy like Mina Diaz at keeping the um, high expectations on the defense, and and I think we're going to need it um, if we're going to try to compete 
and uh, improve upon where we've been the last few years. Um, so, uh, so yeah. we shall see. Um, I want to, I want to move on to um, some uh, above James Franklin's pay grade uh, changes. And that we, we also have some really big administrative Huge. Uh, changes uh, this really year. Shaping the, um, shaping the, first the, of all, the future we have, of Penn state, not as just as an athletic, uh, you know, institution, but as a, a scholastic institution as well. Exactly. So, um, so we have um, a new president of Penn State University, and um, her. I'm trying to uh, remember her or name how to off pronounce the top of my head. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so um, I guess I don't have you that right off hand. But um, I, you have one job. <laughs> oh, here it is. <laughs> by the way, I got uh, it. With, it's right here. This new format of uh, just to get, kind of paint you folks a, a big picture here. Andy is now burdened with basically doing all of the, you know, preparing the outline for, for every episode. Whereas that used to be for the first two seasons was split between us. Um, and, and here we are now. I only have a cell phone to utilize and no time to be able to prepare any information. So this is all, this is our first go around here with, with, with the new format of Andy being burdened with all the information gathering. Yeah. Um, which brings me to my next point. We have an internship <laughs> available, uh, Unpaid uh, for uh, <laughs> yeah for for zero pay uh, for a research In fact, assistant. If you could pay us, <laughs> no, just that'd kidding. be great. Um, yeah, um, so I, I I was able to uh, pull up um, the the new president is Neely Bendapudi. Um, she came from Louisville, um, uh, among other places, but um, you know she comes with a, a strong reputation of being able to work with athletics. And has um, you know really received high marks, and then shortly after um, Neely Bendapudi was appointed, uh, Penn State hired a new athletic director, Pat Kraft, and uh, yeah, he's already making some interesting waves uh, with regard to some of the things going on in the Big Ten and uh, all the changes in college athletics. Um, including complaining, yeah. uh, pretty loudly about the, the, the notorious streak of Penn state opening, what is it? Nine straight big 10 openers on the road or something ridiculous like that. It's gotten out of hand. It's gotten ridiculously out of hand in my opinion. Um, it, it, it to, to, it's like go, I haven't done the have the you know opportunity to go back and look at Michigan's or Ohio state's or even Wisconsin's schedule. But like you probably won't even find Purdue having opened four times on the road to, to start their big 10 schedule. Okay, here it is. Here it is. I found it. Uh, so Penn state's going to open big 10 uh, play this year on the road for the seventh straight season. And we will also open big 10 play on the road in 2023 and 2024. So that's nine straight years of road openers. Check this out in, 30 seasons as a Big Ten member, Penn State has opened on the road 21 times. Yeah, Andy, and, you know, <laughs> that's uh, we were never looked at as, you know, welcomed in the Big Ten. You know, we were never really like, oh, we're so glad to have you. 
Like we, there are some people that literally just still hate the fact that Penn State's in the Big Ten, obviously in the ever-changing landscape of now um, the most ridiculous moves of USC and UCLA into the Big Ten now, which we I'm sure we'll talk about later. But <laughs> let's talk about that yeah, in a minute. But, but yeah, <laughs> so so like you won't find Michigan and Ohio State having anywhere near the, those kinds of hurdles to deal with uh, and their Big Ten scheduling. You just won't. And it's like you know this is the what the second or third third year for um uh Warren uh what's his first uh, the 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 I think he's going third into his third season, season. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Warren, Warren. And, and you know so he's just carrying or helping to carry the Jim Delaney torch of hosing Penn State or seemingly hosing Penn State at, at every turn you know possible <laughs> I mean Pat Kraft said like he was willing to get fined by the big 10 to like <laughs> shake some trees and like make some noise and, and get better, uh, y- you know, Hey, no one else is going to be, you know, cheerleading for Penn state. Who else is supposed to do it? You know, James, James Franklin can only do it, you know, can only go so far as the head coach. I mean, it's certainly the athletic director and the president's job to do those types of things when dealing with being a conference member. You know, James Franklin's just the football coach. Like what, come on. Like he shouldn't have to be, you know, the president of president and AD of Penn state football at the same exact time as he's trying to run, you know, a a football team. Well, I don't know if you um, saw James Franklin's comment on this point, but he actually said something almost identical to what you just said, which is he feels like with Pat Kraft coming in now, here's someone who understands the way modern college athletics works and who's going to be able to take care of some of these kinds of things. So Franklin can do, uh, you know, keep his focus on coaching football. And he said, it's like, this is not to indict the former administration or anything like that. You know, it seemed like he always had a very good relationship with Sandy Barber. From what I gather, Sandy Barber was a very, uh, you know, good athletic director, but yeah, you know, he, Franklin seemed to feel that the way Pat Kraft is coming in, he's going to be carrying some of the burden that Franklin felt he had to carry in terms of advocating for uh, Penn state football in ways that, you know, no one else was, was doing. So it's very interesting to have a, a resource like, like this, you know, going to bat for not just Penn state football, but for James Franklin as well, because, because what James Franklin, I think was fighting and clawing for tooth and nail with, with um, our previous athletic director, Sandy Barber, which, you know, by and large, I I don't personally have any, you know, feelings for her one way or the other about how good or how bad of a job she did. She was a very serviceable, um, you know, athletic director. And she, she, she showed up to all the sporting events and she, you know, uh, both basketball, football, wrestling, you name it. She was at, she was sitting with James Franklin a lot of those times. So you can't, you can't really cu- call into question her, you know, um, loyalty uh, to, to to Penn State or the football program. Um, but you know, different uh, people have different styles, and and Pat Kraft's style is you know in your face right out of the gate. And I think it's at least at the very least a kind of a breath of fresh air to see something like that occurring um, when we know that we want to get some things done to, to, to at least continue to go to bat um, against the big dogs. Yeah. You know, last thing I'll just say about this is that um, both um, Sandy Barber and the former president, uh, I think it was Eric Barron, if that's 
if that's correct. Yes. Um, yes. They were both immediately hired, uh, excuse me, hired immediately after the Jerry Sandusky scandal. Right. So, well, we had some interim stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we like Joyner, in terms of Joyner like, who hired Bill O'Brien and Joyner who even hired James Franklin, by the way. But I, I'm just saying like those folks were coming in the wake of that. No doubt. Extremely disruptive. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, you know, so, so like some of what they were trying to do, I think was to like return Penn state to the sense of like the stature and like integrity and a sense of like, you know, those kinds of things like, you know, either they didn't feel like, I wonder if, I wonder if either they didn't feel like they were able to press those things or they were hired specifically because of their approach that was suited for that time in Penn state athletics and uh, Penn state university. Um, you know, yeah. We're well past that in in many respects. I mean, I know ESPN and Sports Illustrated uh, Illustrated don't want us to to move past that. And try, I'm trying to milk to that thing still. Find that story. There's always back milking up. to be done. Um, but um, but you know, but in terms of like, what's the future of Penn State athletics? What's the future of Penn State University? We're we're really in a different era now. Um, there's a lot more space. Um, from from that immediate aftermath, and so maybe it's time for some. Uh, you know, different sort of leadership. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that um, it will be good. Last thing I'll say, I, I think I just said last thing I'll say, but <clears throat> the last, last thing I'll say is that I think James Franklin was protected the last few years because Sandy Barber, and Eric Barron, everyone knew that they weren't going to be around very long. Yep. And, and you're not going to let uh, a football coach go in that kind of environment, especially with the kind of success that Franklin had earlier in his tenure. But I would say, you know, the, the heat is on for James Franklin to show oh, some progress sure. with the on-field performance of his football team. And um, well, if let's, if that, if that hasn't seen this year or next year, I think it's really gonna, um, I think it's really going to be uh, difficult to see Franklin's tenure continuing much beyond the next year or two. So his work is cut out for him uh, to really show something on the field this year. Yeah, Andy, basically, you know, I think, (laughs) you know, Franklin's leash, if we want to call it a leash at this point, you know, um, and I think we, we have lost a little of his leash after last season. Um, you know, after the 2020 season, you could be like, okay, COVID, you know, here's your leash. Um, and it's not terribly, you know, short, but after last season, it just got shorter. And, you know, with the, you know, institution, um, with the instituting of, you know, a new administration who seems to be interested in, you know, giving Franklin everything that he constantly claims this, this, you know, program needs for them to compete with, you know, the, the top tier, if Franklin hasn't you know, uh, competed or won for, you know, you know, big 10 championships or even the cultural playoff within the next three to four years. I I can't imagine he's capable of sticking around after some seven and eight win years. You need to have, you know, even nine win years, you're going to need to have 10, 11, 12 win years, at least one, maybe two of, of, of a, a 10 to 12 win seasons over the next three to four years. So that's basically what this new administration means to, you know, what 
Franklin's job security looks like, in my opinion. You got three to four years to win at least one Big Ten and and, and hopefully, you know, make that cultural playoff. Yeah. And I think if you see the kinds of years we had in the last two, any time in the next few years, that also may be a death knell. Um, I just, I, you know, I know yeah. the fan base has kind of gotten restless. Obviously, COVID. Uh, created some extenuating circumstances. Um, but, you know, Franklin's recruited at among the highest levels in the entire country. He's got a coaching staff filled with uh, people who are among the best coaches in the country. Uh, you know, failure to to have those 9-10 win seasons in the next few years is going to be a big problem for him. And I agree with you. If he's not vying uh, for the playoff um, certainly if not if he's not vying or playing in a Big Ten championship or something like that in the next few years, it just might be the you know sentiment that that someone else is going to be required to get it done. I uh, you know obviously there are more things that go into evaluating coaching strictly than wins and losses, but um, yeah, I think this new administration. Let's put it this way: this new administration will be in a position in the next two years uh, to basically be able to. Uh, pr- make some decisions about what they want to see out of the football team. And depending on what Franklin does in the next two years, they may be deciding whether or not he's the coach to get them there. You know, and we're looking at that from the, from a, from a bottom line, you know, lens, quite frankly, quite Franklin. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, with the way that this, co- and I'm kind of jumping ahead here slightly, but you know, it's all, it's all built into this whole concept of like what is college athletics what is college football and like it's changing so rapidly that like i think we like we're like starting to lose sight of what we love about about not just college football but about penn state football like like you and i were extremely young when penn state won their you know last national championship all right, 1986, so like, or if you we want have to been consider a, 1994 as like the last year, <laughs> right? That, well, we definitely don't feel that it was a national title when when the, the the you know AP poll didn't show Penn State at the top of the the list and later in January. Yeah, and year. of course, early 2000s, um, <laughs> you had some uh, some really really good teams who were so super close. Sure. You know, 2005, 2007, yeah. that kind of thing, but. Uh, 2008, yeah. I should say, but yeah, it's been a, I mean, 2016, we were close, you know, but yeah, yeah. yeah but really since Anyways, 1986, point, since we my, won a national championship, my point, what's your point? We're bringing what that up is we have been fans of Penn state football and of college football. Um, you know, even without those national titles, you know? And, and, and so like, we're obviously not a national title or bust type of fan, you know, I don't need James Franklin to, to, to take me to the promised land every single year. Like, like, you know, obviously we're looking at teams like Alabama and Clemson and, you know, and, and getting to this point is Georgia potentially, you know, and like, it just seems like they're just juggernauts and, I, I, you know, what I love about Penn State football isn't isn't the fact that we are the best team that has ever existed every year. I just support my team regardless, and and, and the way that these 
you know, decisions that are being made at the top of college football. Um, it's all uh, with the idea that it's national championship and dollars are the only thing that matter. And it caused me to really consider the, the how I value my fandom and how I value my, 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 the team that I support. And I just, you know, for my money, like Franklin has been a very good coach um, he has been a very good mentor and, and leader for, for Penn State uh, football players and a good community member as well and a good supporter of Penn State athletics across the board. I, I just, you know, it, I hope that we just recognize that the grass isn't always greener, always moving forward when it comes to like, oh, the way we – you know, we, we're we like over overvaluing our 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 program, overvaluing what what it means to be a, you know a Penn State fan, and it's just like you know being able to have this regional team that we all love is 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 a is a thing that not everybody gets to experience um, when they you know are like rooting for their NFL team that happens to be you know all about the dollars and all about the cents and I know that every year we get closer and closer to, to the dollars and cents mattering more and the the wins and the wins mattering more than the losses and and just frustrations tend to make us more emotional making rash decisions on how we enjoy our coach our players and our team yeah I mean uh, I think that's a great point and and why don't we spend just the last segment of this podcast, just talking about some of those changes on a national level. Um, and, um, you know, some, there are some dominoes, uh, that have led to this sort of collective, um, just see change in college football. And I've read a couple of articles over the summer that said, Hey, college football's always been changing all the time. There's never been this like grand golden, era, you know, that we can go back to, to make college football great again or whatever. Um, and I think that's a fair point, right? That's a fair point that, well, for sure. that everything the changes. conferences have been shifting around since, you know, my dad was following Penn state football in the 1960s, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and that does seem to be an interesting feature of college football where it's constantly trying to find like the right arrangement of teams and the formula to, you know, have this pristine college football scenario that preserves all the good things about college football. So, you know, they're, they're the, the constant in college football has been changed. And on the one hand, on the other hand, what's really made a big difference is the uh, inordinate amount of money and particularly the money that has come through uh, television broadcasting rights. And um, the pursuit of that money is one of the things that have led to the, the one of the biggest dominoes that, that fell this summer, which you already alluded to, bro, is that uh, USC and UCLA have been accepted into the Big Ten as members starting in just a few years from now. And I, let me just state that one more time because it's like, I mean, we've been living with it for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now, but it is mind-blowing. USC and UCLA are going to be, they've already been accepted as members of the big 10. And I mean, it just, I really have a hard time grasping how significantly that changes the, not just the landscape of college football, but Penn state's own experience of big 10 conference football. What, I mean, what are your, what have been some of your responses to that, to that shift? 
Well, as far as like the the business side of like that, I get the I get the business side. You have from New York to L.A. You you cover the the entire country, coast to coast. If you're the Big Ten, um, it feels icky. <laughs> <laughs> it feels it feels like Kevin Warren was like. And, I, and I'm using some some ideas and and, and terms that I've heard other podcasters to talk talking about this subject. But basically, the way Kevin Warren was talking at media days is basically he was talking about providing content. Like yeah. like you're now like the Big Ten is now just a a str- like a pl- like the product of you know streaming uh, on platforms the content that the Big Ten is going to be providing here's your, your content provider now. Yeah. So I, like I, that's I've, weird to me. I've, um, you know, my other context, which is, um, you know, leading a church and, um, that sort of whole, uh, realm of, of how do you operate in the current environment? And like that same language has come up as well of like, Oh, churches were, we're content providers now. And like, you're thinking about the language of communications, of social media, um, of economics, you're, you're a business. And like, it's not to say that those tools aren't helpful to think about sometimes, but like truly when you think about college athletics, it's not at its core, a business. No, nor is it at its core, a content provider. It's right. It's, it's, it, you know, at least it, it, it is supposed to be um, a part of a uh, college or university experience that provides educational benefit for the students to the students of that <laughs> university and to, um, you know, more a tangential effect to the alumni base and the community that surrounds that college of folks who've gone there, whose families have gone there, or the communities, you know, that uh, support those colleges. Like that's what athletics does. Uh, college athletics does that's different from the business of an NFL team, which by the way is owned by, you know, people or a, 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 you know, collaboration of people or whatever, like these are actual businesses. And so it's not a surprise that the NFL is run like a business, but you know, colleges are not at their core. I mean, obviously there are business realities that uh, colleges have to find a way to, uh, you know, meet in order to continue to operate, but they're not at the core of business and treating them as such fundamentally, I think misunderstands things. And, and so I agree with you, this, um, idea uh, or, or this approach that Kevin Warren had in talking about it is, is indicative of some of the underlying problems with college athletics. And well, he's coming at it from like a, you know, we're also like, like we also hated Kevin Warren for canceling football in 2020 and, and like now he's being lauded for this business move. And it's like, why are we lauding him for this business move? Like he's just like, people are just like, oh, finally Kevin Warren has his staple, you know, moment as a Big Ten commissioner. And it's like, and I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm not saying he didn't do a great job of of like, you know, thinking about the business side of the Big Ten, but it seems to be an imbalance of, well, of, of course of this business, you know, the people commenting on this are the very ones who are making money off of it. You know, the, the no ESPN doubt. No people doubt. and the Fox people and the, you know, and, Andy, I had, I had you listen to, and I'm gonna cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, ha- <laughs> I want, cause I wanted to talk about this, what you're br- going to bring up. So go ahead. 
I had you listen to, and I listened to the solid verbal. Um, it's a great podcast. They, they cover every, everyone, not just, you know, they're, they're one guy's an Oregon fan. The other guy's a Penn state grad and a Notre Dame fan. And, and they just, they talk all kinds of football and, and they're fun to listen to. They're, they're prior former writers, um, for, I think, I think sports illustrated. One of them was regardless, they had on one of our other favorite podcasters, Dan Carlin of hardcore history. And great podcast, by the way, amazing podcast, which by the way, we listened to loads of it on the <laughs> Actually, way home from, from the yeah. <laughs> 2017 Rose bowl. When we were marathon driving a rented van from Pasadena back through Denver, back to the East coast. Yeah. The world war one sick as a uh, dog. podcast. Yeah. Blueprint for Armageddon. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> uh, so Dan Carlin, He's amazing. Um, and, and first of all, amazing that he, li- I think he, I think judging from this podcast, he lives up in Boulder and he's a Colorado, uh, university of Colorado, Boulder Buffalo's graduate. So I think he maybe- lives, I think he lives in the Pacific Northwest, but does he? he? he okay. Boulder. Yeah. Okay. I, for some reason I thought he still lived down in Boulder. Cause if he did, man, I got an interview oh, yeah. for my other <laughs> podcast. By the way, I have another podcast called what, what, wait, why am I listening? I don't even know the name of my own podcast. <laughs> why am I listening to this? Uh, if you want to hear me ramble to other people all the time, go check that out. All right. So, um, they have Dan Carlin on and Dan, man, does he really like unload quite a bit? he, he is a college, fo- a self-professed college football fanatic, but could care less, could not care less, rather, about watching anything having to do with the SEC. He is all about the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, and and he, you know, he he grew up, I think, um, down in, in like his parents went to Southern USC, California. yeah, his parents went to USC yeah. and and maybe also UCLA. Um, and yeah, he, he's, he's all about the PAC 12. I, I think he's also a, an Oregon fan. Maybe he lives near Oregon, university of Oregon. I don't yeah, know. I think it was something like that. Yeah. But like one of the things that he, he talked about was how for years, um, this goes back. I mean, all goes back to Penn state joining the big 10, honestly. <laughs> yes. Of, 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 you know, these sort of media rights deals and conference realignments, um, breaking up traditional rivalries, which he said is the thing. And I agree with him is the thing that really makes college athletics enjoyable. Like, yeah, I'll be interested from time to time in some of the big games or any other conferences, but what I really care about, I really care about the teams that Penn state has rivalries with, um, you know, back in the day that was Pitt and West Virginia and Syracuse, Syracuse and and Boston college. And yeah, you know, definitely teams. Yeah. West. Yeah, exactly. And now, of course, it's, you know, a Big Ten centric. So Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. They're trying to force rivalries with Michigan State. Iowa, for example. Exist. Like, you know. Like, I mean, I'm sure I, I'm enjoying these games, but like there's no history and tradition with, with you know, battles being done, you know, in, in the Keystone State, you know, like between Pitt or whoever. So yeah, it's frustrating to, from a regional. Like we, we're almost the, the the bastard child, if you will. Here, like well, not anymore, because <laughs> you got I Rutgers guess. in Maryland yeah, now, right? I guess you know, sure, I suppose. But, but like the whole point but is, but we're still that, fighting like, for a, to have a rivalry. To be honest with you, yeah. even though it's it certainly exists with Ohio State, but if it's a more one sided, it's very one sided. It's more one sided conceptually, where we want to have Ohio State as a rivalry, and Ohio State both fans and you know the 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 administration they they won't call it that 
Well, no, because they've been playing Michigan for Michigan 100, for 100 years. years. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so, that's, that's a tradition. That's a rivalry, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I would say certainly over the last 30 years of Penn, St- Penn State's Big Ten membership, the, the sense of rivalry and the sense of, you know, hatred for other teams has grown progressively because you have different experiences come up over the years with and we're we're so off script here with 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 the outline and i don't even I, care. there's no outline but yeah exactly <laughs> so so here but here here yeah. here's where it's like okay here's the content uh provider like mentality is like is and like the the where are our markets that we can get into mentality with the with the big 10 it's like it's like you want to know why let's say the ac combusts I'm sorry, the ACC combusts. Yeah. Let's say Clemson decides to leave. Notre Dame decides to b- join the Big Ten, you know, and then all these ACC teams are are or left adrift. are adrift. And then you have a team like Pitt that's like, hey, well, where do we go? And it's like, well, the, the idea is that the Big Ten has no use for you because they already have Penn State in Pennsylvania and they cover the whole they cover the whole state with that. They don't need Pittsburgh. Like, right. be, exactly. but like, would that be good for a member of the Big Ten? Yes, that would be good for a member of the Big Ten. They don't care about Penn State; they care about the Big Ten, and that's the problem with bringing Penn State into the Big Ten. And and, and now and the wait, way these let me just stop you there because to form. Not only do they not care about the members, but they care about the Big Ten. They care about the Big Ten brand and the Big Ten media money. Like that's right. the only thing that matters. Right, and by course. the way, this is like, why did Jim Delaney all the way back in the uh, Penn state uh, on the verge of going into the playoffs? Why did Jim Delaney defend having Ohio state go to the playoffs? Cause that's their shiny, you know, it was the, the brand that was the, yeah. the brand leader yeah. for the big 10. So you want to know? Yeah. And that's, that certainly outlines, you know, why Penn state gets the short end of the stick scheduling wise is because we're not their, their favorite. We're not the big Ten's favorite. We're, we're just sitting here off to the East away from the Midwest, away from Chicago. And they brought we're just us the in the thorn because- in the side of the people who want to market the heck out of college football and make loads of cash. Well, it's like, so, so to, 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 to outline how rivalries, you know, are in, in, integral is like, okay, so guess what, guess what playing pit does for the state of Pennsylvania? It, it, it makes, it makes everybody energized and interested in the state of Pennsylvania about that one game every year. You and I don't care about Kansas versus Kansas state. You and I don't care nope. about Iowa, Iowa state. You and I don't nope. care about Washington, Washington state. You and I don't even care about USC and UCLA. No matter how much the Big Ten will try and tell us it's something cool, we will not care. We we want to play Pitt. We want to play Syracuse. We want to play West Virginia. You know, Uh, those are the teams I want to see us playing regionally more. And I I obviously don't actually care about Syracuse, but I definitely (laughs) would love to see Penn State play Pitt annually. Yeah, and for people to say. And even before these, this conference realignment, you know, Pitt was, you know, on Penn State's schedule several different times between 1991 and, and you know, a couple of years ago. And we always, every time it comes around, people say, you know, what is 
playing Pitt do for Penn State? It only helps Pitt and doesn't help Penn State ever. It's like, if we beat Pitt, it's like, great, we beat Pitt. We're supposed to beat Pitt. If we lose to Pitt, it's like, we should have never scheduled them to begin with. And it's like, that mentality <laughs> is the yeah, dumbest it's thing. It's short-sighted. It's short-sighted. Sure. It's absolutely short-sighted, you know? And that's what, and, and quite Franklin, that's what is <laughs> wrong with co- college, ath- excuse me, with football, college football right now is it's all so short-sighted. They're looking at this, you know, like, okay, we can make a billion dollars over the next 10 years with this new media rights deal. It's like, cool, a billion dollars. You're talking each Big Ten school making- 100 uh, mil plus. 80 million, 80 to 100 million dollars. Yeah, so so what that does is, yeah, it gives you, it, it puts money in your pockets, but who's going to the- you know, let's say we, you know, we play through USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. You know, Oregon and Washington are probably right around the corner. Who's traveling to the Penn State? I how many how many Penn State fans are traveling to the Penn State Iowa game? How many are traveling to the Penn State Washington, Penn State USC, right. Penn State UCLA? Like you're just like the fans are what matter with showing up in these game in these stadiums and. The, the more regional you are, the more turnout you're going to have. Like, it's just, you know, the college football attendance has been dwindling well, every you year, know uh, every uh, year, uh, every year for the last, like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years or something like that. Like, um, and they're not doing it any what, favors with this. Look at what has happened with the bowl games. Well, yeah. Like in stadium attendance is it's pathetic. Dog- I just said it. Pitiful. It. <laughs> it's a family show, bro. <laughs> well, that's why we're family. <laughs> All right. So, but, so, but like, you know, it's like, they, but you know what? The networks don't care. Right. They don't care because they're, they're making still their advertising dollars. Yeah. So, so interestingly enough, I just heard this like uh posed as a as a maybe maybe they take all these other you know hogwash bowls that no one shows up to like the poinsettia bowl and the blah 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 bowl maybe they start making those um non-conference games to start the season yeah like a like the old um kickoff yeah. classic kind well of yeah thing. i mean people are gonna show up for those games because those well, games actually still matter it's true because um you know Back in the day, these were sort of exhibition bowls. They were sort of like consolation prizes. Like, yeah. hey, let's yeah. just let's just show off our town. Let's show off, you know, let's have a fun time with this. And 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 I, that would be an interesting way to kind of like depressurize it from like the sense of like, oh, the season doesn't matter anymore. And then you can then you can expand the playoffs and still have December football games happening leading into the the big the I big like games. It. I mean, it's be- it. it's better than it's better than having these bowl games that like. No one's t- turning up the for Meineke even tuning into the bowl. The the what's the 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 Duke's Mayo Bowl? Which I mean, hey, I know you like your Duke's, Duke's Mayo. Mayo. No one's knocking Duke's Mayo. <laughs> We're knocking the fact that it's the name of a bowl, yeah, and that, exactly. that that's like you know. So it's just like let like like these concept the the pl- if you're gonna be a playoff sport. Really invest in the playoff part of it and make it an actual make it an actual play make it an actual pl- pay, pl- excuse me playoff and then have these consolation bowl games that actually matter and are actually fun because by the way what's more fun the last quarter of the season when your team is idling at five and five 
or whatever, or the the first quarter of the season when all the hope is still available to you as a as a fan. Yeah, all of you've got to find a way to the, make. You got to find a way to make more than just you know two teams per conference excited about the second half of the season. Yeah, and and that's by so, you do that by expanding the playoffs and having more interesting non conference games to start the year. Agreed. Let's do yeah. it. Okay. All right. Moving forward. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, you know, so, so I, I think, um, I think we're gonna, we're gonna kind of bring the conversation today to a close, you know, all of this, all, all these off season stories, whether it's the Penn state side, whether it's the, the national college football side, um, all of it's in the background when the games finally start being played. And so, you know, we're just a few weeks out from uh, from the first kickoff, Purdue at Purdue, of course, like we've been saying on. Oh, by the way, a Thursday night. Thank you very much, Big Ten Unreal. for that. Um, yeah, but it'll be national game on Fox, at least. So that's kind of fun. Um, th- so the September 1st, the first game, you know, let's just conclude today by just I'd love to hear how you're feeling about Penn State football as we're a couple weeks away, we're going to get into the specifics of the offense and defense and special teams in the next few episodes, but just what are you feeling about Penn state this year? Where, where's your heart lie on the matter? Well, Sean Clifford is now officially a, a business person and, <laughs> and somehow still the quarterback of Penn state football, um, a super duper senior, super duper. Um, yeah. Fifth you years know, were considered super seniors when I was there. So he's a sixth year. Listen, so. I, you know what I am? I, I, first of all, I am very excited for Penn state football there, that I think that goes without saying, um, there are a lot of question marks though, too. Um, yeah. So while being as excited as I always am, uh, I do have concerns. Um, but I also am hopeful, uh, uh, more hopeful than, than, than some other years where I have, I have, uh, you know, been just as excited, but lacked hope moving into the season. Um, you know, I think, I think, um, I have more grounded expectations for this season than, than in most seasons, uh, recently, maybe dating back to like even the, the beginning of the 2016 season. I think I had less hope moving into that season than I had moving into this upcoming one. And, and believe me, coming out of the 2014 and 2015 seasons, there was not a lot of expectations for that 2016 team. Um, and you had to just go off of blind hope. But I, I, you know, I, I think where I feel where I stand on this team is it's entirely about the offensive line. It's entirely about the offensive line. It's entirely about the offensive line. Uh, that very well would be the case. Um, it's interesting. Um, you know, we're coming off two straight seven and six seasons. Um, no, 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 that's not even right. No, that's incorrect. It's we were, a, we were sub a, 500. We were or five we were, and six and then six and seven. We're 11 and 11 over the last yes. two years. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sub 500 in the big 10 last year that I think though. Right. Yeah. We closed and, out being and, two and six. Uh, I mean, gross. you know, they're at the same time, Franklin's recruited for Penn state better than Penn state has ever had recruits the last few years. Yeah. We have on paper, one of the most talented squads we've ever had. Mm-hmm. We have one of the most experienced quarterbacks and we very well know 
all of Sean Clifford's weaknesses, as does every other of his opponents. Um, but it'll be his first year with uh, second straight uh, offensive coordinator. So I, I honestly don't know. Honestly, don't know what to make of the the this this year. Uh, my uh, my good friend Judd Criffield, um, he he was with us in Guatemala this summer, and he taught me a phrase <laughs> that stuck with me, and I think it applies in this situation. And here it is: expectations are premeditated disappointments. Well, yeah, name me the one year that hasn't happened as a Penn State fan. Expectations <laughs> are premeditated. <laughs> disappointments. And I think with all this uncertainty, uh, I'm really for the first time in a long time, I mean, I'm excited for the season. I'm looking forward to, but for the first time in a long time, I'm going without a lot of expectations. Big time. Now, now what happens after the end of the first game, after we lose our opening game at Purdue and, you know, tell me what my expectations really were. Um, I'm very it was to curious. beat Purdue. That's yeah, that's for darn sure. I have that expectation <laughs> big time. I'm not confident in that expectation, but I have that as an expectation. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my expectations uh, low, but uh, yeah, but but I'm curious. I'm really curious what kind of product. Uh, there's that language again, uh, the business language. I'm I'm just curious to see what kind of team we're going to field this year. And, um, I am hopeful. I think there's some good signs, but I think it'd also be another tricky year. Um, I'm, I am starting to feel excited for, for opening kickoff, even though it's going to be on a Thursday night, which just, just feels wrong. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm, there was a time when James Franklin, by the way, you know, a bunch of years ago, Penn state, I think, opened the 2014 season. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't the opening game, but, but we played like Rutgers on like a Friday night or something like that. It was a, it was a night game from what I recall. And, and, and Franklin was just like, Oh, Oh, we're never like at Penn state. We're, we're never going to play a Friday, Friday game. That's, uh, you know, for high school or something like that. Those are high. So that's, that's the night reserved for high school. And here we are now yeah. talking about, we've done the Friday games and, and you know, including Illinois Dumb. against Illinois. What was Dumb. it just, you've done, I forget if it was to start the season. We did Maryland we, as yeah, well. It, it's just like, and now we're here on Thursday. Like good grief. Like since when have we like, you know, it's hard enough that they're putting the, the, uh, the, the Penn state, Ohio state game at noon, you know, and, and here you are making a start I mean, the year. With we the can't Big get Ten into the schedule yet. Thursday we night. can't get into the schedule. It's premature. Okay. Uh, yeah. So at, at any rate, anyway. at any rate, <laughs> oh gosh, it's so easy to rant. Um, I, I'm looking, so, I'm looking forward to it, but I just, I don't know what to think about the, about what we're going to see this year. I'm, I'm crossing. We're not going to go with predictions, obviously until our, our final preseason um, episode. Um, this is kind of just us trying to work out the kinks. Of Undefeated. K- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if I called it and it's correct, then I'm the smartest man alive. All right. You know, <laughs> or the luck. Go put go put all your money on Penn State undefeated, <laughs> and if you hit, you'll be the richest man ever. Um, I don't know if that's true, but well, you certainly in this family. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited. I the without without the offensive line performing uh, better than it did the last I don't know eight years. Um, <laughs> the, you know then. 
the, the only hope I have for us having a better running game is that maybe, just maybe, you know, Nicholas Singleton or Katron Allen have, you know, the ability to make something out of nothing in the similar ways that, that uh, you know, Saquon and Miles were able to because we haven't had any racer at the running back. Or well, co- we're going to have to... We're gonna have to talk about that running game next. Well, time. we haven't had an eraser. A, we haven't had an eraser at the running back or yeah. quarterback position um, since Trace and Saquon and, and Miles because the offensive line is not doing any favors for Sean or the running backs whatsoever. And yeah. neither are they. Well, that'll be a <laughs> that'll be a big theme for next time, no doubt. Um, and um, yeah, that offense is going to be a, a tricky one to to, to work through. But um, yeah, let's talk about it next time. Um, We'll 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 catch the offense and uh, and talk about all that. Yeah. Uh, until then, bro. It always starts with "I love you," and it ends with "I love you." Coming live from Brotheltown, USA, in Wallace, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to a good season with you, bro. Um, glad we could make the connection. And uh, hey, guys, we'll see you all next time. Uh, follow us on the places that we can be followed. No, uh, send us an email. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, Blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Yep. Um, we're on Facebook, but not recently. But, yeah. you know, find us there. Find, us, and, find um, us at your favorite place to find podcasts, which is wherever you're listening to this. Find us there again and again and again. <laughs> all right. Anyway, we are. And stay. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 